Welcome to Uncharted Journeys. I'm your host, Kathy McKnight. If you're like me and you've ever sat back and wondered, how did I get here, whether literally or figuratively, in terms of your career or life in general, then you're in good company and have come to the right place. At Uncharted Journeys, you'll hear from amazing women about their straight and narrow, zigzaggy, and somewhere in between paths to success. Today's guest, early in her career, discovered that she doesn't see things the way most people do. And so maybe a nine-to-five job wasn't for her. So she hung out her own shingle and set her sights on helping marketers around the world do marketing they're proud of. As if running her own agency doesn't keep her busy enough, she also sits on a couple of boards, has a master's degree in management communication, is a fellow for a couple of industry groups, and is a prolific writer with a couple of books, more than 150 poems, and has even done a TEDx talk. I'm exhausted just reading that. Her main focus, helping people find their way to be prouder of who they are, what they do, and how they make a difference in the world by leveraging the power of communication. This is something our world could definitely use more of. She's founder, director, and content queen, possibly one of the best titles ever, of Verbalistics. Welcome, Gia. It is a pleasure and a privilege to be here with you. I have never heard such an amazing introduction. We can tell that you are someone who understands words extremely well. Thank you for the lovely introduction. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's the end of my day, the beginning of yours, so I'm hoping this sets your, your, your week. No, actually, it's Tuesday for you, right? It's Monday for us. It's Tuesday for you. Um, it sets your week off well. Um, so like I said, I love the title. Tell us more, me, our audience, more about that and, and what you do. Well, Verbalistics is a content marketing agency, but we specialize in B2B marketing for predominantly technology, SaaS, and services firms. I run the agency, but because it's my agency, I get to choose what I want to call myself. You're a director if you run a company and you have a limited liability company, or sorry, not an LLC, LT, limited, just LTD, but you get to choose the great stuff. So early in my career, I realized that if content is king, then context is queen. And so I thought, yes, here, here, here I am. I can be the content queen as well as the context queen. And that's why Verbalistic Strapline is inspiring, meaningful communication. And a lot of agencies uh, think about how can you get the distribution right? How can you get that message out to your audience? And don't get me wrong. Those are absolutely critical skills. But I am more focused on why. Why should anyone care what you have to say? Why is it meaningful? Not to you. Perhaps not even to your audience, but to your audience's audience, the people whose lives you really affect and impact. And that's what is inspiring about Verbalistics. And that's why I get to choose the title Content Queen. I love the context. I actually, and I'm sure neither you nor I coined it, but used to say that a lot I, I about um, when was Game of Thrones like super hot, like seven years ago. I had one year, one of my, my core presentations was uh, who will sit on the Iron Throne in terms of, of technology, in terms of for content, right? So always thinking about the hub and spoke model, CMS was always in the middle. Sorry to the audience to geek out on this for a minute. <laughs> but that was, that was my line. It's like, you know what, maybe the CMS will continue to be king, but context is the queen. And we all know it's the queen that actually rules the roost. So I, I love that you've embraced that, made it your moniker, um, had the chutzpah to put that on a business card, virtual or otherwise. So good for you. And um, 
I, it sounds like you've got a great thing going. You've been doing this for, for a while now and, and found your groove. So uh, congratulations on, on all of the successes, your books and your, in your business and, and all that you do. Well, thank you. It's kind of weird when you think about it. Uh, I had an experience recently when I connected with someone on LinkedIn and she's like, oh, I'm an ex-Fortune 500 employee. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not. But I do have a master's and I sit on two boards and blah, 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 blah. And I get to the end of it and I'm like, Take that, you Fortune 500 marketer. <laughs> it was quite a good feeling, I must admit. Suffice to say, I haven't heard back from her again. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not surprising. Probably not surprising. Um, all right. So as my guests, uh, or as my audience knows, and, and as we talked about, I always start our show off with four core questions. So if you're ready, we'll jump into it. Go ahead. All right. So what's the first career you remember wanting to do when you grew up? As a very young girl, I wanted to be a ballerina. But the challenge was that I also wanted to be a businesswoman. And so I had it in my head that I had to choose this path between being someone who danced and performed for a living or someone who made a lot of money. Now, let's be realistic. A career in the arts is great, but it isn't particularly well-paying unless you're a prima ballerina. Now, not to blow my own horn, but I was quite a good dancer. I was in my first performing arts role at the age of nine, where I was Gretel in Hansel and Gretel, like, woohoo, big deal in the grand scheme of things, right? But it was quite fun at the time. Now, the interesting thing is, how did I, at such a young age, already realize that I had to make this choice? But the irony is that even though I wanted to be a ballerina, many years later, I met a man whose surname was Ballerin. Now, Ballerin comes from the root for dancer. And the irony is once we got married and I took his name, I became Gina Ballerina. <laughs> so I am, in fact, both a ballerina and a performer on stage through TEDx and other speaking engagements. And I am also a businesswoman. And how, ins how awesome is that to be able to get your childhood dream, admittedly, through a slightly different route than I would have anticipated? I love that you had this forethought at such a young age. Not many of us do, and I certainly did not. And so I'm, I'm curious, was there a big influence in your life early on that you remember that really gave you that, that lesson about education and reflection? The influence quite significantly was probably just having grown up in a, in a world where it was so important Literature was just something cherished and absolutely beloved. Uh, some people had in a Judeo-Christian upbringing where a lot of South Africans um, had, they would have a, a Bible in their living room. That was kind of their go-to book. For us, it was a dictionary. And I remember it being one of those two-volume dictionaries. Each book was kind of a 1,000 or 1,500 pages. And you put the two of them together and you could honestly kill someone with the size of this dictionary. But the influence there was probably how important literature was in my life. I remember my mum going through newspapers and circling the edits in red with a red pen because it annoyed her so much. And my grandmother would say, when I'd ask for something, Granny, can I have a some sweets? She'd say, you can, but the question is, may you? <laughs> so that influence was quite significant throughout my lifetime, I think. Such strong women. Uh, clearly, again, something that, inadvertently we don't always recognize but upon reflection we look back and go oh okay that explains a lot 
So certainly for you, I, I hear you talk about your mom and your and your granny, which I love. That's what I called my grandmother as well. So, and and I got the same. Uh, can you? Yes. May you? We'll have to see about that. Oh, geez. Every time, every time. The strong Brits, right? So a drama, ballet, um, clearly into the arts. Is there a song that epitomizes your career path or one that you're maybe identifying with these days? Well, the irony is when you think about songs, they actually inspire you if you let them or they can bring you down. Uh, music actually has a very emotional connection. So when I did my homework for this podcast today, I thought, actually, the thing that inspires me most at the moment is the song Let It Go from Frozen. Now, how does that make up a career path? Well, the irony is that actually it is a single lyric in that song, not just the song itself. I, I love it. I could sing it all day long. It's a beautiful example of female empowerment. But I love the element which goes, the wind is howling like this swirling storm inside. Couldn't keep it in. Heaven knows I tried. And it is about that swirling storm inside us that I have recently recognized so many women quash down we squash it, we suppress it, we try to imagine that who we are is not good enough to show to the rest of the world. And that element of that swirling storm is also about the information that people take out of the world and process and try and transform. I use words and meaning and, and spoken and written journeys to be able to turn that swirling storm into something of greater value, to change the status quo. If you look at how I, I create my archetype, um, I actually assist myself through a, a, an organization called the Y Institute, and they have nine whys. You can do the assessment, it costs relatively little money, and for me it was a massive epiphany to realize that my why is to make sense of the world. That's partly why it's so frustrating working for other organizations where they have rules that simply don't make sense. So for me to be able to create that swirling storm and turn it into something meaningful. It was about making sense of all of that information and distilling it. You asked me about influences on my life earlier, and there was obviously literary influences, my grandmother, my mother, people who, you know, until we talked about literary influences, I wouldn't have come up as the immediate, who is the biggest influence in your own life? And the answer I'm about to give almost may seem a little bit cliche. But it's particularly meaningful for me because having grown up in apartheid South Africa, um, anyone who's listening and is familiar with the context will know that in the 80s, black people and white people lived separately. I didn't necessarily. One of my best friends was black and we went away on holidays together and we played together. And this was extremely unusual at the time. But I remember being at school in the early 90s and when Nelson Mandela was released from prison I wrote down in my homework diary, hey, this is a big day. Something epic is going to happen with this. Like, how much attention did I pay to the news as a young, you know, preteen? Not much. But there was something about that moment that was portentous. And when you think about it, Nelson Mandela was imprisoned not because he was a wonderful guy. He was in prison for, I think it was 36 years, if I'm not mistaken. When he was imprisoned, he was, in fact, a terrorist. 
Lots of people forget that he was in prison because he wanted to blow up buildings and kill people, right? It was his way of making sense of his world at the time, his way of trying to free the people who had been enslaved. But it's the Nelson Mandela that we recognize after his journey in prison who became this incredibly great leader and this great man. And it was that transformation that allowed him to bring people together. So when people say, I'm inspired by Nelson Mandela, they are inspired by who he became. They are not necessarily inspired by who he was and the circumstances that brought him to that journey. And if we think about an uncharted journey, he went through a journey that no one would have anticipated. I don't think he as a, as a teenager or as a young adult would ever expected that this is where he had to go. But just like I try to make sense of that swirling storm inside me, he had a swirling storm. He was a very, very angry young man that over his years of calm and quiet reflection, he was able to turn into something that he could let go. And I think that is an incredible lesson for anyone who feels like who we are inside is something that we're not completely comfortable with. It doesn't have to be that way forever. We can change and we can use any type of inspiration in our lives to be able to take us to that place where we want to be, to let it go. Never would have taken a Disney song and turned it into that. So thank you so much. That was wonderful. Uh, absolutely gave me a different point of uh, consideration um, on the story. And um, thank you for working in Uncharted Journeys into that too. That's well done. Again, so last, last question of the four, which seems kind of like I, maybe we should jump into the, the deeper conversation, but because I have to, uh, what would the street name for your career be if it was an actual road? I thought about this long and hard and I was like, well, it's not just a road, right? It's not just an avenue or a drive or a circle. I like the idea of a boulevard. Now, of course, it's French and I lived in, well, not Europe. I lived in the UK for a while, but we did travel to France there. And the idea of a boulevard is that it's long, it's tree-lined, it's gorgeous. You can expect, you know, French people sitting outside drinking cups of café au lait. But the root of that won't just be any old boulevard. It is, of course, communication boulevard. And I think that if you if you go back to the dictionary in the table in the middle of our living room, I was headed down Communication Boulevard from the very second that I learned to read before anyone else did going to school. And I'm still heading down Communication Boulevard right now because it's about the journeys that we take, the avenues that we go down, and how we might take little side paths and digressions, but ultimately we want to be able to get somewhere where we can actually feel like, hey, isn't that cool? And maybe then we look down the next path and go, what happens if I take that journey? And that becomes a whole new adventure. So when we're talking about journey, and I love the way you've tied that in and really looked at your career um, as a journey, tell us a little bit more about that. Did you always want to be a marketer? Is it something that started early and then you just needed to find the right spot? Or how did it come about? Actually, the journey to become a marketer was almost accidental. We acknowledge that I turned down the opportunity to be on the stage. It was a decision I made that it wasn't the right path for me. But I didn't really know how to go down a path that would actually create an income instead of just, you know, being on stage for the love of being on stage. 
And so my first job out of university was at an organization called the Sol Pleike Media Le- Leadership Institution. And it was um, a grant from the Konrad Adenauer Foundation, a German philanthropic organization, who established this institute for journalists from across Africa. And the idea was to be able to teach them not just leadership skills, but leadership specifically pertaining to media. And so we brought the most amazing journalists. I wish that LinkedIn had been a thing then because it would be so nice to be connected with them in today's day and age into this little sleepy town in the middle of the Eastern Cape in South Africa called Grahamstown, which is where I studied. And there I discovered that what I was doing for the organization was in fact marketing. I hadn't realized it at the time. I hadn't realized that emails and press releases and newsletters and organizing events and creating a website was all marketing activities until I came to the UK and actually studied through the Chartered Institute of Marketing and realized this journey that I'd been on all along was in fact this thing called marketing. It was it was so exciting to realize. But one of the challenges about being so independent, being able to set up that organization, even as someone just out of university, was that I was given the autonomy, the mastery, and the purpose to do all of that. Daniel Pink writes a lot about these three subjects. Autonomy is the independence. Mastery is the ability to be an expert. And purpose, of course, is that you know why you're doing this. I had the privilege and the advantage of all of those three in my very first full-time job. And the problem was that I then assumed that every organization would give me autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And it took me a long time and many, many career changes to be able to identify a way that I could have all three of those things. And it was indeed a a communication boulevard that I went down to be able to identify my purpose. And that is to help inspire people and, and make meaningful journeys of our lives. Was there a defining moment, decision, action, something significant that impacted that trajectory of your career where you realized maybe, you know, as you mentioned, the Daniel Pink, the the autonomy, the mastery, the, the purpose, what that was? Did a penny drop? Did you, were you working, walking down a boulevard with a cafe in your hand and went, oh my goodness, this is what I'm meant to be, or I have a vision, I have a direction, or something you read perhaps? A lot of our own journeys come from our ability to identify what is in fact down the little narrow paths and sidewalks that we don't necessarily identify as part of that bigger path. And I had a landmark moment, which was a decision to join a software company or a decision to join an academic institution. And I in fact had job offers from both um, Oxford University's Said Business School and Concur, which is now SAP Concur. So one of the biggest travel and expense management companies in the world. And I took the decision to actually go with Concur. I don't know why, other than Said Business School was an August institution, you know, associated with Oxford University, and yet they didn't treat people like they were meaningful. Unless you were an academic, you were somehow a second-class citizen. That was my perception at the time. Please don't take offense, anyone who works at Oxford or Said Business School. And that journey to actually go work for a software company was fantastic for me because it was the first place I felt like I had a work home. 
And it wasn't the work home necessarily that was transformational. It was the fact that the organization genuinely cared about their people. I had a boss who was a mentor and an inspirer. I was able to start identifying some of the behaviors that I had in organizations that were self-defeating. And I think this began my lifelong journey to understand what is it that, that prevents us from identifying who we are and who we can be. And that led me to look at perfectionism. It led me ultimately to look at imposter syndrome and led me to understand that, in fact, there was a very, very negative person in my head who shouted at me a lot of the time. And only by identifying that I didn't have to shout at myself could I step into the next stage of my journey. So that landmark decision of joining Concur instead of joining Saeed Business School actually led me a few years later to another step-up journey. And that was being headhunted for a role that was two levels above the current role I had. I will never regret the wonderful experiences I had at Concur, but it was time for me to move on. And I hadn't realized that I needed to move on until someone said to me, you can be more. And it took me several months and honestly a grieving process to recognize that this thing that I was so terrified of was the thing that I desperately needed to do. And that was the shift. That was the transformation from I can play it safe and let everyone else tell me what I should do or I can actually take a decision that terrifies me and that forces me to be the person that I can be. And that changed everything. So I'd love to dig in. When you say it took you months and it was a working through, which so many of us, particularly women, I think, go through the whole perfectionist thing and the imposter syndrome. When you talked about grieving, was it grieving who you were at the time? Was it the role and the people that you were with and leaving that? Or was it recognizing that this was truly a, a massive shift in your, you know, where your equator was? to take on this thing and, and to move in a different direction as a person, not necessarily in a career, you may have been doing some of the similar things, but knowing you were, you, you step over that threshold, you're somebody else. Possibly all three. I don't think I was grieving the loss of who I was because I didn't know who I could be. I definitely was grieving the loss of a company that felt like my first business home. I was grieving the loss of the friends that I knew I had at the organization and the loss of the sense of comfort that the structure provided, the ability to report into someone who I knew had my back, the ability to be creative and innovative with people who shared a vision and a mission with me. But mostly it was about saying goodbye to something when I was so, so scared of what would come next. You know, how do you say goodbye to something that has given you an opportunity to find your wings and be prepared to unfold them and flap off into an environment where you know you're going and blown away and you know that the winds of fortune could take you anywhere, but you don't know exactly where you're going to go. You have to be able to take that leap of faith. It really is a leap of faith. The grieving process was how can I tell these people who've been so good to me that I'm not with them anymore? That I, that I need to leave. It's, it's kind of a, a rite of passage in a way. And I didn't feel like that when I went off to university. So maybe this was almost my, my coming of age, actually, when I think about it. But that's amazing to 
have the ability to reflect and recognize that situation. Uh, I don't know how quickly or, or when that came to you, but so many of us go through similar experiences and we never, we never get to that point. We never get to the bigger picture and understanding how each of these things really shaped us. And clearly you've given that a lot of thought and, and leveraged it, not just acknowledged it, but built it into who you are and what you do. And I can only assume how you work with others. So to that end, what does your day-to-day look like? How, how do you, you know, what gets you up in the morning? I am really fascinated by interesting challenges. Part of the reason it was easy to leave, well, not easy, it was easier to leave an organization that I loved so much, was because I'd got to a point where I'd kind of reached the limit of my natural capacity and interest. Don't get me wrong, there was plenty more to learn. It just, I wouldn't have learned it at the pace that I wanted to learn. And so every day I get up and I explore new adventures and I make new friends, business friends, because a lot of my colleagues and clients end up becoming friends. We develop mutual mentor relationships. We maintain connections long after we've worked together. And that really inspires me to do what I do, to make meaning. It inspires me to coach the people who I coach who are potentially going through similar journeys that I have, who need to be able to identify that special person that is inside them that they can't acknowledge. It inspires me to share communication skills and tips and actually draw the words out of leaders who are great at what they do, but aren't necessarily as comfortable up on stage in front of an audience or aren't necessarily as good as at getting their words onto paper. That thought leadership and that ghostwriting is actually a really big part of what I do to help leaders feel proud of what they're saying. And then, of course, being on stage, you know, be Gina Ballerina wanted to be on stage forever. But for me, it's not just about being in front of an audience. It is about the connection that we make. I remember standing in front of the TEDx audience. And if you ever get enabling nerves as opposed to debilitating debilitating nerves, you know that there is that feeling of anticipation. And it's terror, but it's anticipation at the same time, the feeling that something extraordinary is going to happen. And I looked at the audience and I addressed them. And it was like we were one. We were part of a shared common experience. And in that moment, time ceased. And everything else just disappeared apart from us in that room at that time with that message. And that is what inspires me about communication done right. It has the ability to transform people. We don't just read stuff. We don't just engage with stuff. We actually are slightly changed by what we read if the author does it right. That, for me, is amazing. I never would have imagined in the day when I was setting up an institute and figuring out, you know, what software we were going to use or, you know, what color the curtains need to be, that actually it would one day lead me to a place where I can help people feel like they are contributing their best selves to the world. That is amazing. And I hope I continue to bring that joy and delight at being able to help people be who they are more, more effectively, and use their words more effectively for the rest of my life, because it is truly a gift, not just to the people who receive it, but to me. I feel like I am changed through observing and assisting them with their journeys as well. So this question might be moot, because it sounds like you found your sweet spot that, you know, given the choice, you wouldn't be doing anything. But 
if you weren't doing what you were doing, if for some reason people didn't need help with their words anymore, what what would you be doing? I'd probably be on stage. Uh, I think in a career path, I might have been a ballerina, you know, probably not. The challenges are significant, uh, significantly different to the business world. Being part of the ballet world meant that there was extreme competition between girls who can be incredibly bitchy if they know that they need to be the prima ballerina and they see you as competition. I, I'm not sure I'd want to go back to that world. But I was deeply attracted to nonprofit organizations. While I love the innovation and the quick and quick-brained nature of people who work in story, uh, sorry, software as a service, uh, SaaS, I and technology companies generally, I do also love the fact that people who work in nonprofit organizations care. They care so, so deeply and they want to inspire change. They want to make change happen. They want to make meaning happen, but they mostly want to give. And I think that possibly in another path, in fact, if we look back at what I was saying about my journey to decide whether I wanted to be part of the Said Business School or part of Concur, that's really that's it. That's the journey that helped me decide, was I going to go down a, a for-profit route or a non-profit route? So in another world, I think I'm probably in a non-profit route and doing something completely different there. Well, probably still do to, to do with words, but yes. Although that doesn't really answer your question, does it? It totally does, actually. You've not only answered, you know, that esoteric question of what would you be if you if you weren't doing what you did, but circling back to perhaps maybe next phase when it's time to perhaps move on or move the organization into a different direction. Maybe the not-for-profit world will benefit from your passion and clarity um, that you've absolutely given not your, not only yourself, but you, clearly your clients. So for our listeners, particularly the women in our audience, although you've already shared so much amazing advice and, and direction, what would be the one piece of advice life, career, success, happiness that you'd like to share? Be brave. So many of us live in our comfort zones and think that it's okay to give up who we are for our kids, for our career, for our families, for our partners. It's not okay. It's never okay to give up who you are. But it's scary. And we think that it's safe to say, oh, well, I won't do this for me today. And it's only when you realize that you are not cutting your own toenails because you think it's okay to leave it for a week when it takes two and a half minutes that there's something wrong with your self-care. So if you're the kind of person who thinks, oh, I'll, I'll look after myself later, think about what is the one thing you can do today to be able to improve your bravery. And the answer is very, very simple. Do something that scares you. And it can be absolutely tiny. In fact, the tinier, the better. But it's interesting how even the simplest brave decision can change our life's trajectory. It may be, do you send that email or not send that email? Do you pick up the phone and have that conversation or send the email instead? Do you drive down this road and stop and spend 30 seconds staring at the sunset on the way home? Or do you rush home to make the dinner? I think that... Being able to identify how we are stopping ourselves from being extraordinary is the first biggest thing that we have to fix. The other thing that I will advise is to listen. Now, women are supposed to be great listeners, aren't we? Yes? 
but we don't listen to ourselves. And sometimes we can't listen to ourselves. Or sometimes ourselves, like the angry person who lived in my head years ago, we actually don't want to listen to ourselves because we have this really nasty, critical demon in our heads, right? And not just women, men do as well. But what happens when we are able to listen, and sometimes that requires counseling, sometimes that requires therapy, sometimes that just requires a lot of deep introspection. It almost is like we remove some filters that sit between our brains and our external reality. It's It might be the the conscious subconscious filter, I'm not entirely sure, but once we're able to acknowledge those barriers, it's like, like a veil is lifted from our eyes and suddenly we can see the world the way it really is as opposed to the way we perceive the world. And suddenly the things that seemed so terrifying are not because the, quite frankly, crappy and stupid reasons we've been giving ourselves to not do the things that scare us become less burdensome and we realize that actually by breaking those rules which aren't really rules they're just things that we made up we can become who we were really meant to be so inspiring just so much for us to think about so thank you for our audience uh, where can where can we find you linkedin or where's are you speaking anywhere that's a really great question i wish i could tell you that i was speaking somewhere lined up um, if you fancy hearing me speak, you can check out my TEDx talk. It's easy enough to find. Look for Gina Ballerin or Confessions of a Liar, Marketing in the Era of Authenticity. Uh, you, but please, please, the best place to get hold of me is on LinkedIn. Send me a message. Comment on a post. Just engage. I love connecting with people and I will reply to every single message that I receive. But be brave. And reach out, because if you never start that conversation, you'll never move ahead. Lastly, you can check out verbalistics.com. It's a bit tricky to spell. It's V-E-R-B-A-L-L-I-S-T-I-C-S. Don't forget the two L's in there. Uh, verbalistics.com.au, in fact, because I'm based in Australia. And you can get you can get a free chapter of The Secret Army. Uh, it'll pop up. Yes, I know they're annoying, but if you want a free chapter, you can down that, download that from verbalistics.com.au. But whatever you do, make sure that if you don't reach out to me, reach out to someone who helps you, inspire you to be who you were meant to be, because we all deserve that. 100%, and not... There are no better words to end this conversation on. So thank you so much for today's conversation. Inspiring, lots to reflect on. To my audience, thank you for listening to Uncharted Journeys with me, your host, Kathy McKnight. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Gia as much as I did. And if you're keen to hear more amazing stories from amazing women, head over to unchartedjourneys.net and listen to their fabulous journeys from some of my other guests. You can also sign up for our email mailing list and check out the other links and resources to the show notes. Thanks again for listening. See you next time. Until then, be brave and enjoy the journey. The snow glows white on the mountain tonight, not a footprint to be seen. A kingdom of isolation, and it looks like I'm the queen. The wind is howling like this swirling storm inside. Couldn't keep it in, heaven knows I tried. Don't let them in, don't let them see. Be the good girl you always have to be.
conceal, don't feel, don't let them know.